welcome to the Revital Health Podcast. I'm Jodie Duval and I'm a functional naturopath in Perth, WA. This is a place where you can expand your knowledge on how to optimise your health and realise your full potential. We'll have cutting edge information with expert guests and having lots of fun along the way. Get ready to be empowered and motivated to reach your higher vitality and find your ultimate potential. Let's go! Revital Health is a proud member of the Health Optimization Network. Health Optimization Medicine and Practice is a 501c3 nonprofit on a mission to educate doctors and practitioners on how to optimize for health rather than treating disease. If you're interested in becoming a practitioner or donating, head over to homehope.org. Revital Health Clinic is the first and only of its kind exclusive health optimization clinic in Australia with state of the art technology protocols and personalized healthcare, compounded medicines made specifically to your testing individualities. To find out more, head to revitalhealth.com.au. In today's episode of the Revital Health Podcast, I chat with Dr. David Turton, a Perth-based doctor specializing in medicinal cannabis and holistic wellbeing. With his extensive expertise, Dr. Turton is at the forefront of clinical cannabis movement, guiding us through the intricate landscape of natural cannabis-based healthcare. So today we talk about Clinical Cannabis 101, what you need to know about being prescribed and consuming cannabis, as many questions come up in clinic, especially here. So we get into why cannabis unveiling the endocannabinoid system, the entourage effect between terpenes, cannabinoids, CBD, THC and more, treating conditions and the shifting landscape of cannabis-based treatment, choosing cannabis and when it is the right choice. We talk about strains, ratios and different types of products and understanding the variability. We talk about titration and dosing and deciphering the unconventional way of actually dosing um, this particular medicine. We also talk about Dr. David's passion for cannabis and the most intriguing aspects he finds about the plant and recent research and the future of cannabis. We also talk about balancing wellness. So we look at Dr. David's tips for healthy body and mind, and we embark on so many more discussions around wellness. So we hope you really enjoy this very, very interesting conversation. Welcome on the show, Dr. David. Thank you so much for coming on. Hey, Jodie, thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure. Um, I've been very excited to chat to you today. We met in person and I send so many clients to you and I love what you do in all aspects of, of helping people. But one of the fascinating things about your practice is cannabis. So we are here today to well, focus on cannabis, but also whatever we end up talking about, which can be many things I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think. Um, so for me, first of all, what brought you to cannabis and treating people with cannabis? Great question. I always start with a disclaimer, Jody. Um, I always say when I do any podcasts or any speaking that the information is for general information purposes only. And if you're someone at home listening to this, one of your audience, you know, evaluate if the information is relevant to you, discuss it with your health professionals. Don't just listen to some guy on a podcast and then go out and do something drastic, you know. Um, so that's my, <laughs> that's my little thing. Um, to answer your question, it was a bit kind of unexpected and fortuitous moving into cannabis. Like I didn't have any uh, intentions of going into that. I was 
orthodox trained through you know one of the west australian medical schools and in the health system for probably like eight nine close to ten years um working through the tertiary hospitals and then moving into general practice and i suppose there was a bit of an uneasiness in me personally um moving through medicine generally and in general practice um there are a lot of things that didn't resonate with me or I felt like my hands were tied in many ways or the system didn't support the kind of thinking that I wanted to apply. So I was kind of already <clears throat> in a space of uh, feeling a little bit divergent from some of the major teachings. And then um, I eventually left general practice. I was a trainee and um, was basically looking for a job. <laughs> and I was like, what I want to do now, I know I'm interested in holistic health and well-being or alternative and complementary medicine alongside orthodox medicine and it just kind of fell into my lap and I suppose I had a lot of the standard ideas about cannabis before I went into it I didn't know a lot granted but I was pretty ignorant <laughs> to the the therapeutics of it and I'd probably been a little bit brainwashed in in some respects from the standard mainstream messaging about cannabis yeah absolutely so, you know, and I, and I love that, that there's an open-mindedness um, and more and more people are coming towards cannabis, which is also amazing. And I think the development of it, which I want to talk about with you at the end, is that it, it is moving in the right direction, I feel. However, let's set the context for the audience because some people still have no idea what we mean by cannabis and then obviously cannabis treatment as a medicine. So, you know, what... What is cannabis? What is, you know, how does it fit within the endocannabinoid system? And maybe a, a brief understanding of that. And then maybe looking through some of the aspects of, you know, entourage effect or terpenes and then the different cannabinoids. So maybe just as brief as we can. <laughs> so we can get into sure. <laughs> As brief as possible, um, we have a plant that grows in the ground and it's been labelled with lots of names, kind of falsely, marijuana and lots of other things. But the true name of this plant is cannabis and is a few different kinds of strains which people will have heard of um you know indica sativa basically you have a plant that grows in the ground and within it it has a myriad of molecules that have some degree of therapeutic effect which is still being elucidated but imagine a, a plant that has many many molecules in it we're talking about things like cannabinoids so people have heard about thc and cbd probably the major cannabinoids um, then there's a whole host of what we are calling for now minor cannabinoids and people might be familiar with the letters cb and pretty much any letter of the alphabet after that cbc cbg cbn cbdva thc you know there's many different uh minor cannabinoids um, which are believed to have therapeutic role as well, which continues to be expanding. Um, there's, you rightly touched on terpenes, which are the aromatic essences in plants. Um, an example of this would be when you smell lavender, you're smelling something called linalool, which is the terpene or one of the terpenes that exists in, la uh, in lavender. Um, the terpenes have a therapeutic role. They have, there's flavonoids <coughs> within, the, within, the, within the plant as well. So we're really talking about a whole plant medicine. Um, and then <clears throat> probably since about the 90s, scientists have been aware of receptors in our body, which we're calling cannabinoid receptors. And uh, more largely something called the endo 
cannabinoid system, which endo meaning uh, endogenous or within the body, cannabinoid pertaining to the plant and the receptors, uh, and then it's a system. So we have, imagine something like your nervous system, your endocrine system, which people are familiar with, cardiovascular system, the endocannabinoid system is its own system in our body. And um, the, we make our own endogenous cannabinoids, our own cannabinoids within our body. And your audience may be familiar with a couple, um, one called anandamide or the bliss molecule is got affectionately known as um, another one called 2AG, a very long name, 2-arachidoinylglycerol. Um, these two cannabinoids that we naturally make in our body, they're signaling molecules. So they're involved in uh, how the brain works, how neurons communicate, uh, cell signaling and, and messaging. And then <clears throat> we know that THC and CBD and various other cannabinoids from the plant exogenous cannabinoids from outside of ex, outside of our body they bind to these receptors that we have um, and just quickly there's cb1 receptor and cb2 receptor and um, we know that the molecules can bind to that and exert an effect depending on which part of the body that they bind or which part of the central nervous system that they're binding to mm. is that um, is that a good snapshot quickly that was great. That was great. And I think we'll dive into different components of that as I ask more questions of you. Um, but first, I want to capture from you, what is the most exciting part that you find about cannabis medicine in general? You know, like, as an example, I have, you know, some certain things that really drive me with my naturopathic medicine, you know, like, I'm like, oh my God, I really love this part, or I really look at this test, or I really like this component and excites me about these different herbs. Now, what 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 do you love about cannabis? The main thing is just its um, efficacy for a broad range of things. Um, and I don't want to kind of besmirch anything within Western medicine, but everything has its limitations. And since moving into medicinal cannabis and working with it, it really works for a lot of things. And I know that the TGA and the health department have ideas about some of the things that it's, there's a lot of robust evidence for other things. They say there's inadequate evidence to be using, you know, or there's not sufficient evidence to prove that these things work for these conditions. But I've seen cannabis, both CBD and THC work for so many things. And people come back and they say, this has changed my life. And they're not stoners. They're not, you know, they're not drug takers or bad people. They're, you know, 50-year-old, you know, middle-aged women. They're, you know, someone in their 80s. They're a whole plethora of different people with different conditions, but they come back and say, I've been laboring with this problem for 10, 20, 30 years. Nothing's worked. I started this. It really works. So to see, I guess, the, the results and to see people come back and say, this has been an absolute game changer. Um, yeah. I totally agree. And I think, you know, can even can, but mentioning it, you know, to people is sometimes a bit of a, um, an effort, you know, to try and actually, I'll have multiple conversations with people in my office right here. We're like, I think you should go see Dr. David. Oh, why do you think? I'm like, I think you might need some, some cannabis. I think we might need to try some THC or some CBD and go, you know, discuss what you might need. They're like, Oh no, 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 I can't have that. That's, that's cannabis. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, exactly the point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
through all of my knowledge of like, well, it works with this and that will help with that. And that's the research for this. And yeah, so it, it fascinates me how um, little people know and to the benefit of, but m- more than likely or not, that there's limited side effects compared to what they may already be taking or have taken in the past. So you know, that leads me to my next question on, you know, what are you seeing a lot of if if there is anything that is a common thread across conditions that you see? And are you seeing more of certain conditions come through in the practice in the last, you know, few years or since you have been in practice? It's probably similar to your practice. Like the, the spectrum is very wide. Um, you can't get away from mental health and it's a massive reason that brings people to cannabis and you know, on the face value, people might be like, oh, what can cannabis do for depression or what can cannabis possibly do for anxiety or post-traumatic stress disorder or, you know, obsessive compulsive disorder or whatever it may be, ADHD. Um, Mental health is enormous. It's so overrepresented and particularly in young people, um, people with multiple diagnoses. Um, So mental health is a big one. Um, Chronic pain, you know, is, would have to be one of the other most enormous ones. And I don't think I've met anybody, a handful of people out of thousands of patients that sleeps well. I just don't know, like these things, they're comorbid, they travel together. People come and they say, I've got pain and obviously my sleep's crap because of that. Or, and then because of that, I've got anxiety around sleep. I've got anxiety the next day. So there's enormous crossover. As you know, there's things, they travel together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, mental health has been on the rise, um, I think, significantly since, you know, we we shall name, you know, the lockdowns and things like that. I feel people are a little bit more on edge. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's something in practice, I guess, you will um, see a development of in different areas. But so when you when you have people come to see you, what what determines the fact that you go, right, this person is going to require cannabis? or something else you know is there is there a a guidance that you go by to go well this is better treated with cannabis is or is it just an intuition you know i'm trying yeah it's it's hard to gauge sometimes yeah yeah so i don't know if i've interpreted the question you mean as far as like contraindications or who to screen out or um i guess a lot of people are coming to you for cannabis because of the the company that you're a part of and obviously the things that you're doing but is there you know yes contraindications but also you know who would be best treated with cannabis and is there always that one or is it try with this person and let's just see what happens yeah okay so i mean there are some things that are notoriously hard to treat um in medicine and one of those that comes to mind is neuropathic pain um you know, it can be amenable to cannabis and various other things as well, you know, non-cannabinoid medicines and a whole host of things. But I often caveat people with neuropathic pain and say, look, this may or may not work. And I say that to everybody, like um, CBD and THC can be really helpful for lots of things for lots of people. Some people they just don't work for. So I like to set people's expectations as well and say, look, it may not work for you at all. Um, everyone's idiosyncratic and very individualized. Um there's a kind of cohort of people that I will try and avoid cannabis in. And they're probably all of the things that you would imagine. Um, History of psychosis, sometimes, you know, bipolar disorder or, you know, uh, mania and depression where there's, you know, uh, concerns about risk and safety and, you know, the potential for mind altering substance, Um, you know, pregnant breastfeeding, um, unstable cardiovascular disease, 
there's various things that we, and, and the, the reason for the unstable cardiovascular disease is the potential for tachycardia with THC it can increase your heart a bit, which if someone's got, you know, a really bad heart full of stents and they've got unstable angina and we don't want to put anything that's going to increase their heart rate. So there are things where I go, ah, oh, that's a concern or that person's on blood thinners and now I'm going to be taking CBD. Um, but a lot of it's trial and error and finding out what a person's preferences are. There are, I don't want to make it sound as though cannabis medicine is without its risks. Um, they are both very safe molecules, but they need to be done cleverly, judiciously, um, and then having to think about, uh, you know, various things. Um, driving is one big uh, topic all of its own in relation to THC. Um, uh, patient preference, you know, some people come and they say I'm absolutely dead against THC or any of that drug stuff, just give me CBD or, you know, so there's lots of factors that come into it um, and there's way to uh, mitigate risk and to, it's a lot of education, Jody. like it really is going through and getting the person to understand what are they going to be in for um, and are they willing to, to take that on? I think we're pretty notorious as doctors, some of us, to be pretty crappy at counselling people on side of potential side effects or, you know, you're starting this, this might mean that you're on this for the next six months or the next 12 months or the next five years. Um, I don't think we educate and counsel people uh, very well at, at times. So I try to make that a big part of my practice. If somebody leaves my office not knowing how to take the medicine or the side effects or I haven't done my job, you know, I haven't done my job if that person can't make an informed decision. I agree. And that education is going to empower them to actually make those good changes and more broadly than even just taking the medicine. And we can get that into that in a, in a little bit, which I also want to ask you about. But so for the specific nature of prescribing cannabis, there is a huge variety of availability of what we have in Australia, you know, talking specifically for Australia, because it's very different in each country. Um, but also, you know, we I'm not sure, do we have availability of other CBN and CBC um, compounds? And then how, you know, is there anything you can guide us with, you know, what you may use certain ratios for or, you know, what is the availability? Yeah, so it's expanding. Um, we are definitely, uh, you know, a, a different market to the United States. And we get a lot of comparisons to, oh, I've been in Canada, I've been in the US, I've been in Thailand and, and so on and so forth. Um, things are expanding here, but predominantly we are working with THC and CBD in a sort of broad general sense. And that's what most people are familiar with. The minor cannabinoids are becoming more popular. We're starting to see preparations and keep in mind, we have things like uh, flour for people to inhale, there are oils for people to uh, orally ingest, there are kind of an expanding gummy market, wafers, um, uh, topical balms, there's endometriosis related vaginal creams and pessaries and you know there's a there's a whole host of delivery mechanisms um, and they're kind of starting to expand as well into the minor cannabinoids so there are products that are now half CBD, half CBG, um, there are uh, typically oils uh, more so. Um, so yeah, it's, ex it's expanding. I don't think there's that much knowledge around it yet. And I don't claim to be an expert in the minor cannabinoids. I think um, they are something that people are delving into. There is a amazing American woman called Bonnie Goldstein, who is a, um, a fantastic cannabis doctor uh, prescriber. And she 
to my knowledge, is one of the experts in a lot of the minor cannabinoids. I know that she delves into different uh, isolate compounds and a whole host of things. It's probably just tip of the iceberg here for us, um, really. Yeah, absolutely. I feel that too. When I made my trip over to the US last year, I tried a, a few different cannabinoid compounds mm-hmm. and CBG knocked me out completely. It's, it's just, you know, very, made me very, very, very sleepy. <laughs> um, <laughs> some of these things make, make you like, you know, make me so amazed at the power of these individual cannabinoids and the minor cannabinoids. And, mm-hmm. um, a lot of excitement to come you know in the space particularly here and then more research obviously equals more availability and then safety measures around those as well um but the the, the space over in america is very different you know walking down and there's just mm. new york main street <laughs> it's um it's 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 different you know i even walked into a, a cafe serving you know mocktails and herbs and they had a, a big volcano um yeah so everyone was you know getting the benefits of all the cannabinoids in the air <laughs> well, so very, very different space over there um i think um the aficionados in in perth or, or anywhere really looking at minor cannabinoids and terpenes terpenoids there's a lot of um interest in what does each terpene do and there's companies that produce just terpene blends which have no cbd no thc it's a little tincture and you can take one that's predominantly alpha and beta pinene and limonene and it's uplifting so it has an uplifting effect um there are products that are again no thc no cbd but are heavy in myrcene beta caryophylline um uh you know linalool some of the more sedating things which will be more relaxing so i think there's a lot of nuance and stuff going on Mm, absolutely and for me you know when i look at clients here and i have to you know almost screen them to be referring them out i'm looking at you know as you said sleep conditions pain um associations you know anywhere like you said um, endometriosis or even shoulder pains for the creams and things like that um obviously anxiety is is massive but also anti-inflammatory conditions which is so many these days like any anti-inflammatory support needed can be had through cannabinoids so you know i find that 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 power in that is is incredible yeah a lot of people moving for cannabis for anti-inflammatory uh purposes Mm. yeah absolutely i've seen look i've seen some bizarre things and i know they're just anecdotes but um i've had uh I remember one guy, he'd had a benign essential tremor basically his whole life and his hand just used to move. And he came in with uh, bursitis, chronic sort of shoulder pain. I think we started CBD only. And then he came back several months later and he says, somewhat, hasn't fixed it, but also my benign essential tremor, which I've had since I was five years old, has gone. And I was like, it's interesting. I've had um, people with anosmia, loss of smell and... um, taste or you know burning mouth syndrome strange things that people come back after using cbd that have got better um autoimmune conditions skin conditions i've had a few people with autism particularly some kids i had one kid that had um was non-verbal when we started cbd and the child started talking and i was just like i don't know if it's the cbd but it's a very dramatic effect there's probably no literature to support that but it's an interesting anecdote and the parents are you know blown away Mm. But even, you know, with, um, uh, what am I thinking of? Um, so with children, there's a massive research study when you have the, not the tremors, the, um, oh gosh, it's gone out of my head. 
Um, because it's the it's the major one that they've been researching. They found that oh, with epilepsy. Epilepsy. Gosh, I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah, epilepsy is huge in the research, and that's when mm. I was my research. I was blown away by the output of what they've put into um, discovering all these different, um, you know, inputs for, for for children. It's crazy. Yeah, I think epilepsy is one of the areas that's probably the best researched as far as cannabis. Um, and I think a fair amount of that's been driven by children with intractable seizures, Dravet syndrome and rare conditions where they're having hundreds of seizures a day and the quality of life, life is really bad, maybe trialed multiple anti-epileptic medications that have failed and then they've been started on, you know, THC, CBD or even THC for some kids and it's drastically changed their life. Yeah, absolutely. And parents really wouldn't always think about going towards that because they think they're drugging their children, you know. It's um it's one of those really odd odd topics to go down, but now it's becoming a lot more accepted, obviously, and dose is key. Um so dose is key. Yeah, dose is key. So onto that, you know, titration, um, dosing, um, it, it's important, you know, when I did my research. And so I became familiar with it. Is that um, that the dosing of cannabis is very different to any other pharmaceutical? So you know what 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 are some I guess key points for people to know about how to dose cannabis or what they might expect? Yeah, for sure. Maybe starting with THC. Less is more is a pretty good um, general uh, you know framework to take into it. Be that an oil or a, or an inhaled prop preparation or anything like go slow and just like feel your way into it um, you don't have to have the strongest preparation or the largest dose if you've taken it you can't take it back if you've had a little bit you can always add more so slow and steady and that is a guiding principle in pretty much any medication or anything that you start as you know like um, people say start low go slow um, which is uh, a medical uh, very common medical saying but I think it it, it holds up. Um, we do that with CBD. Um, you can start CBD at a, at a high dose. There are people that do it. I know some people that won't start low. They just go, it's a very benign substance as far as, you know, bad side effects are concerned. It's very safe. And they'll just get somebody onto a, a high dose quickly. I'm pretty slow. I like to figure out, there are people that respond to really small doses of CBD and I think if you just go into a high dose, you can miss it. But if you start low and just gradually creep up and actually see what their requirement is, sometimes you surprise yourself. You have someone on, you know, two drops of CBD twice a day and they come back and say, you know, things are much better. Um, the lowest dose is the best dose, right, for cost, for potential side effects. So um, that's one thing. Um, what else? So with the actual buildup of like the receptor sites, you know, so there's obviously a certain saturation point, I guess, is that sort of, you know, and you're building up slowly to get to the saturation point and then you can, you know, bring it back down again. It's like how long are we talking in terms of doses for people once they've achieved, I guess, a little bit of an outcome? Yeah, so I mean, people will know that CBD is a slow game and you kind of do want to build until you hit critical mass and then kind of maintain it. Um, a big pitfall with using CBD for a lot of people is they take one dose now and then a dose in a week and then a dose in a month and they don't get any benefit. You know, you've got to really have it twice a day or once a day, you know, quite regularly to build it up a bit like an antidepressant without the side effects. You want a couple of weeks to get it into the system and then kind of maintain it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, people will often get good benefit from CBD. Sometimes they become acclimatized to it and they feel like it stopped working and then often they stop it and then they go, oh gosh, it was working. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's subtle stuff, CBD. It doesn't you know, hit you in the face or necessarily blow you away. Um, so people can become very comfortable with it. And then once they stop it, they go, actually, oh yeah, my knee pain's worse, my back pain's flared up, my mental health's, you know, not as good as it was. So um, THC dosing, the biggest pitfall is tolerance. And, you know, there's people use cannabis and THC in different ways, but it's absolutely inevitable with enough dose that you do become immune to it. You do become tolerant when you start with two THC receptors hypothetically and you bring in THC and it binds to them. As you bring in more and more THC, the body says, hey, we need to produce more receptors. So then there's twice as many receptors. Um, And then as you bring in more, in order to fill those, you have to bring in higher and higher doses. So THC major caveat is around um, not overdoing it, you know, and what is the the magic amount? It's different for every person. I think THC should be, people should be having regular breaks, you know, and and using it sporadically for my mind. There's a lot of people that use THC every day. Is that a bad thing? Not necessarily, but again, dose is key. And, you know, this pushes me into (laughs) territory that I'm not sure I want to talk about too much because it might be a little bit boring, but, you know, dependence and and crutches in life. um, It's very easy for any substance, cannabis, uh, you know, alcohol, anything to become more of a crutch than a medicine and start to potentially not have a whole host of side effects, but be used in a way that it's not quite doing what you want it to do. It, it, it's becoming um, it's becoming more of a problem than it is a solution. So dose is key, yeah. like you said. Yeah, reliance and it makes total sense, you know, even with the, the dependency, you know, you can even look at, you know, compounds like, um, you know, alcohol or even coffee, you know, you, you get... <laughs> having certain amounts and then you'll need more to have the same effect so you know I guess it's very similar to that but in in different parts of the body but you know obviously with what you're trying to say and I totally understand this is that if you're giving even with medicines that we have here herbal medicines if if it's forming a part of a um, you know a, a support system where you should be making changes externally to make your you know better habits and lifestyles you know, you're using that as a reliance or a coping mechanism still where it's not as healthy as it, you know, you could be making changes elsewhere. So I think that's where the key is, is that noticing that it's a medicine and it's for for use until you have worked out those underlying issues of what has actually been happening to cause pain or to cause whatever is going on. Um, yeah. And I mean, to extrapolate that, not to um, demonize cannabis, like anything can be used as a crutch. You know, I've used meditation at a time in my life as a crutch where it became an escapism and it was like life's hard out here and I've got conflict and I don't want to deal with it. I'll go sit in a cave in the Himalayas for six hours or I'll, I'll go and hide and, you know, get real zen and, you know, kind of convince myself that everything's great and then go out and 10 minutes later be in the conflict again, um, you know, because I haven't dealt with the underlying problem. So anything, you know, can be used <laughs> potentially in a way that may not may not be treating the, the root cause. Yeah, absolutely. You know, for, for me, I see it as, um, you know, a lot of clients who can't deal with the pain, you know, and again, you, you can't 
you, you know, I have a particular client in mind that I did send to you. You know, if you if you're young and you can't deal with the pain that's going on from a from a physical issue and it's impacting your mood and your life and your sleep, you know, why not use something that has less side effects than pain medication that makes you feel unwell? You know, which they were reacting. Yeah. So it's something that really gives um, people that that power back a little bit more and that that coping ability. And it's actually it's helping. Um, underlying information and support as well you know so you're getting a bit of a double benefit um so I guess I say this because a lot of my clients and people that I speak to are still so unsure about cannabis you know they're like well what's it going to do for me how is it going to be effective you know am I going to get addicted to it am I going to be high all the time (laughs) no 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 (laughs) maybe um you know if, if it's worth me just addressing those two points which I think might be helpful um one is around addiction and particularly people of a certain age, uh, you know, there's a lot of conditioning in society and they heard about the idea about cannabis as a gateway drug or it's a bit highly addictive. Mm-hmm. I tell people that cannabis is addictive for about 9% of people that use it. And that's what the research seems to suggest, which means it's not, and I use the term addictive lightly, what, uh, kind of pseudo incorrectly, what I mean is, you know, dependence can form. Um, that means 91% of people or more have no issues with it at all. So ordinarily, uh, if people have good life structures and quality of life is good, meaningful connections, friends, family, employment, the life anchors, you know, it's very unlikely for people to have problems with cannabis. Um, there are people that are in vulnerable places in their life and, you know, no disrespect to anybody. People have very hard lives and hard stories and, if you are lacking certain supports, you know, employment is a, is a, is a wonderful structure in people's lives. Uh, you know, uh, having a passion and a purpose insulates against so many health problems. Um, and, and um, you know, if you take away employment, if you take away family supports, it can become that one thing. So c- cannabis is not without um, the possibility to form dependence for people, um, both physically and psychologically. I think um, <clears throat> it's it's often a it's certainly a minority, and often often it's in the context of the situational circumstances of that person's life. Yeah, as so many things are, but it's it's very, very true. And I think that you know that hierarchy of needs is so important for so many people, and that's where you know re- requirement for um, people having support for knowing that those things are not in balance. You know, and that's what I love about your practice is that you're not only there to supply them and support them and guide them on cannabis, but also lifestyle factors. So I'd love to dive into that with you. You know, meditation, nutrition. You know, you know, sunshine, like basic. <laughs> human needs water you know what what we talk about all the time but sometimes people just really have no idea (laughs) yeah so I mean it's a great segue like you know that lifestyle medicine is my jam that's what I really do I love cannabis and I you know I love the healings and therapeutics that are available within it but I I like to talk about majoring in majors rather majoring in minors which is a kind of um little uh, tag from a a wonderful teacher, one of my mentors that's really inspired me. But I talk about the 1% versus the 50%, which is like, there are when we're talking about modifiable risk factors in life, um, lifestyle changes, 
there are things that are very much modifiable and then there are things which are kind of more immutable, you know, things that are more hard and, and stuck and rigid. But if we are chasing one percenters without doing the fundamentals, then it's always going to create a problem. You know, if someone is uh, eating poorly, sedentary, consuming, you know, toxins, um, sleeping poorly, disconnected from community, no purpose or passion in life, and then saying, oh, I'm going to take curcumin for inflammation. It's like getting, you know, a bucket of water and trying to pour it on a, a bushfire. You know, it doesn't make, <laughs> we need to be like encouraging people, you know, this is my opinion, but working on the majors and trying to get people to affect change on the big prime movers, the things that are actually going to move the needle, not to say anything bad about, you know, um, curcumin or, you know, turmeric, but like, it's a small thing um, and lots of exogenous things that we bring into the body bar food are small things. I, I don't expect, you know, Panadol to save some, to, to change somebody's life. Um, the things that we want to be going into and the things that move the needle are the fundamentals, which you just touched on. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, like even cannabis, you know, you, you can't just use some one thing, you know, you can't just, and that's this magic pill sort of, um, you know, mentality with a lot of people. Like, what what one thing do I need to have? I'm like, well, there's not one thing that you need to have. You need to have sunshine, you need to have water, you need to do your exercise, you need to do meditation, look after your mind health, you need to, you know, talk to your friends, you need to have healthy relationships and healthy boundaries. And, you know, then then, then you need to, you know, have proper nutrition. You've got to not eat all that crap, you know, get that out of, out of your body. I'm like, well, that's that's a bit too hard. Oh, yeah, and you got to sleep well. <laughs> so, right. you know, like, overwhelming but I guess once that ball gets rolling for people and it's that you know the, the cannabis or whatever it is can sometimes as long as it's a healthy one it can be that segue it can be that instigator into that world to then roll them forward out of that so that's how I which, see it yeah I totally agree which gives me a bit of a humorous thought about it is a gateway drug it's a gateway into lifestyle <laughs> modification um I feel like you know I totally agree with you um these things, you know, you might take someone who's really suffering badly with chronic pain and, you know, anxious, depressed, not sleeping, really unhappy with it. And someone is coming and saying, hey, you need to exercise, meditate, do breathing. And the person's like overwhelmed. They're like, I can't do anymore. I'm cognitively saturated and I'm sick of hearing people. I, I hear that from time to time. And I know that people can be overwhelmed with it. So we can use cannabis medicines or any medicines as a you know uh an adjunct to get the ball rolling like you're saying to create momentum but if you stop if you get that ball rolling down that hill and then you're like oh well i've done what i can i'm taking cannabis you're missing the yield you're missing the fact that exercise is one of the single biggest uh things for longevity and reducing chronic disease um you know eating in my opinion a whole food plant-based low fat diet is one of the single biggest things you can do to um, improve your health. So it's like, don't just stop with cannabis. Don't just stop with the herbs or the, the things that you're bringing in. It's, it's just part of it. Absolutely. So from, from your perspective, David, what, what are the main things that people need to have in their life daily? You know, every day, wake up every day. What do we need to be doing to be living our best? <laughs> maybe I can answer that with a story um personal story about um I don't know six years ago or so I was 
working in a tertiary hospital doctor, um, very uh, on the way to disease. I didn't have any diagnoses, but I was, um, I had all the precursors for disease. I was binge drinking multiple days a week. I was living off caffeine, drinking 10 cups a day of, you know, black coffee. I was adrenally fatigued. I could fall asleep at the traffic lights. I could sit bolt up right at night. I was sedentary. I was eating takeaway fast foods. You know, on the weekend, instead of being a young, vital person out hiking and moving my body, I was laying on a daybed watching TV, hungover, eating crappy food, full of preservatives, full of, you know, saturated fat and oils. Um, I was, you know, loads of toxins in my body, um, among a whole host of other things. My mental health was all over the place. And I was going to work and recommending and telling people how to live their lives. It's a cosmic joke, you know, like the doctor with the poor health. So the things that... The things that changed for me, which I now advocate for heavily, are the, are the things that I, I learned about. So I learned how to manage my sleep. I think if you're not sleeping well, it's very hard to get the underpinnings of good health, not only for mental health, but you're not getting the, the regeneration that your body needs. Um, so sleep's pivotal. Movement is absolutely essential. You know, we should be moving our bodies every day. We're too sedentary. People say that, you know, sitting is the new smoking. We need to we need to move more. Um, uh, you know, for me, it was cutting toxins, and that was alcohol. That was caffeine. So I'm now alcohol free for about five years. Don't drink coffee or take black tea or any any caffeinated beverages. We need to be drinking water. We don't need <laughs> water. Is what we are designed to take in. Very much like our lungs are designed to take in air predominantly. <laughs> um, these are the the things that we need. Um, for me, it's meditation and trying to get meditation most days or every day um, where time permits. Um, breathing is foundational. And I went through a period about learning about breathing. And I know you've interviewed people about breath work and, um, you know, athletic performance. Um, we should be learning to be conscious with our breath all the time as much as we can and also conscious with the way that we're 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 living so trying to be present I know that sounds super tacky and it's kind of like a go-to buzzword at the moment but we're asleep you know we spend too much time in this psychosis of dreaming about what the future should be like and trying to rewrite the past which is gone um uh, nutrition is massive and you know um I spent a lot of time looking at the research so I advocate for whole food plant-based low fat um what else are the major things? Um, community is enormous, you know. Um, isolation, particularly after a certain age, and, and probably at any age, is as bad as, you know, being isolated increases your risk of death. Um, so trying to have community around you, people that you, you value and love and so forth. Um, I think love and gratitude is its own staple area. Um, you know, I know I'm just firing things at you right now. <laughs> um, you know, so many things, but even that love and gratitude, like, you know, if you, you can't have love and gratitude without being in the present moment, you know, you, 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 you can obviously dream up gratitude and you can think about it, but to actually feel it 100% fully, you need to be present. And for us, so we're so distracted by so many different things. And I find that that's really hard to explain to people as well is that, you know, we've got so much stimulus, stimuli, information, mm-hmm. and sometimes on my prescription, I'll just write, you know, get rid of toxic information that can be cutting off the news or t- turning off social media for even a few days. You feel refreshed. 
So I tell people to throw away their televisions. Um, I think, um, you know, it's massive. Um, getting the right inputs and the right, we talk about inputs as food, inputs as oxygen, water. Mm -hmm. What you feed your mind is probably the most important of all. And it, it brings me to an amazing, amazing point, which is about the brain being an epigenetic modifier. I think about this thing between our ears as being the center of the universe, at least in our own lives. And we can race around trying to externally change everything, trying to control everything, which doesn't work, or we can learn to understand what's going on between our ears and, uh, you know, being present, but also understanding our thinking and, uh, you know, mindfulness, moving away from learning, thinking about how we're thinking, taking time to understand our trauma and our conditioning and why we do certain things. That's, to me, that's the process of life is understanding yourself and, and your brain and why you do things. So we, if this is rock solid and you're constantly working on it, the other stuff has to fall in line. You know, you can't have good nutrition without having a good idea, an idea about nutrition. You can't have um, exercise without creating some information around it and saying, this is why I'm doing this. You know, I'm doing exercise because it uh, helps with appetite because it helps with bone growth because it helps with um you know anti-inflammation or insulin resistance so uh information and what we're we're thinking about in our inputs is absolutely fundamental huge a lot of people will say this placebo but i believe that you know obviously mind is matter and then mind is energy so you know you, your your energy your mind can change how your body is perceiving anything you know, so your perception of even food, you know, for, for some of my clients who have eating disorders, you know, they will see that as something horrible. So how, how is the body then taking that on? And that can be so many different things, you know, like running through the park going, oh, yeah, I hate this exercise, this is crap. Of course you're going to hate it, you know, like so change your mind. This is amazing. I'm out with the birds. I can see the sunshine. I'm having a great time. <laughs> yeah. You know, just changing those perceptions with anything can make a huge big deal but then as you said it's understanding why we're having those negative thoughts or why we're having those thought patterns that are coming through because it can be parents or from you know people that had traumatized in our early childhood or teachers or whatever that is and it's not actually your thoughts it's something coming from a pattern from elsewhere yes and that's hard for people to understand I believe yeah, I mean, this is really one of my jams, the the mind and perception. It's, you know, this half glass, half full, glass, half empty. The way that we see the world has, it's everything. It's literally everything. It has the most immense uh, potential to modify. We can change the way that we see you. You know, they say um, when you change the way you're looking at something, oh, there's a saying, I forget. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But um <laughs> Basically, you know, the way we, we're looking at something is, is key and you can look at something and see it one way. Something that I'm working at at the moment is called the last time meditation. So multiple times throughout the day, I, I, when I'm doing a task, it could be mundane. And I think, what if this was the last time I was ever going to do this? And I look at it differently. I could be like washing dishes and I'm like, it brings me into a, I feel grateful. I'm like, okay, this is different. My my eyes can see the world a different way, like going on holiday and seeing a different town or a different country road and it's fresh. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we're very conditioned with everything that we do. And if you can find little tricks, and that's just a simple hack is to think about what if this was the last time I was performing this activity, wouldn't I be more grateful and to the beauty and what's actually going unfolding in front of my eyes? Absolutely. Absolutely. I like to do that also with, um, with people, you know, what, 
what if this was the last time that I ever saw this person? Which, you know, for most people, this can be, you know, quite realistic. You know, you don't know if you're going to see the person next. There's no certainty in anything, is there? So it can really bring you back to, you know, the humble nature of how I want to treat that person or what to say to that person and be 100% truly, you know, fully yourself. Otherwise, there is going to be some sort of regret. You know, there, there would be something that you you feel bad for or that you didn't get to do. Same with just those mundane tasks. It's so beautiful that you can, you know, see beauty in some of those things um, or all of those things that you're doing on a daily basis that have to be done anyway. <laughs> we, we take the world for granted, visually, audiologically, everything. Um, there's times I'll just sit there and I'll look at something, whether it's nature or my cats or something, and I'll just be like, there's real beauty in everything that's going around us on around us. Should we take the time to look at it? And I guess there's so many reasons in life to be unhappy and, you know, chronic pain and life stresses and finances and the state of the world and economics and whatever, but there's so many, if you're looking for pain and sorrow, you will find it because there is an infinite amount of that. If you go out looking for, and I get it, it can be hard. And, you know, I haven't suffered like a lot of people have suffered, but I think even people, with with chronic pain or, or or various conditions there's still yield on these activities um including meditation someone will say oh you know i've got chronic pain got cancer or you know chronic back pain what's meditation going to do you know how can you be recommending me meditation i'm like well <laughs> i get that pain can be severe and i'm not saying to take anything away from that but there are things that really work and you know there are many people that have found different ways to frame pain and to put it over there in a box or to get their mind to condition not to take it away entirely but to change the way that they relate to the pain um, and I think the same goes for for life changing the way that we're relating to our environment yeah absolutely and meditation can change your life in you know in, in a few days even in one meditation session it's you know, I've been um, talking to a lot of people on the podcast recently about this um, you know, psilocybin, this new um, legalization, which is which has mm-hmm. come. You know, this is it's very different, obviously, in Australia and what's happening. You know, for one, my perception on it is fabulous in that it's it's going to give those who are very in the depths a bit of light. You know, so to to show them that that this is what. The happiness could be or the appreciation for that could be mm. but from my experience with both meditation and psychedelics which I have tried um the meditation can give you the same <laughs> you know so that for me is like whoa it, it's huge if you're doing it progressively and you're working through different parts of different areas of what you need to be doing the awareness of your own brain you know mm. the endorphins that you can create from that is is still incredible so that's the power of our body it's amazing i've had profound experiences with meditation and i found it sort of um six years ago as well and started with vipassana meditation and then i've kind of progressed in many ways to try different styles but um thinking about an experience in Fremantle in the house i was living at and i crashed my motorcycle up prior to this and been very lucky to walk away relatively unscathed and alive um and was doing a meditation on my bed in this home and then I had a what I describe as a union experience where I was being and it kind of went white light 
perhaps one of the most profound experiences of my life, no drugs, no nothing involved. And I was home. I was like a complete circle for the first time in my life. I never felt anything like this before. I didn't have to do anything. I tears just streaming down my face. I what I was being is the only way to describe it. And we can have these profound experiences. I didn't go looking for it. I wasn't trying to get it. I think the context of the my thinking about my mortality within this meditation, which I wasn't even aware about. I was probably quite on the verge of sleep and kind of, you know, uh, it just kind of happened. But we have this immense potential for uh, healing and, and uh, you know, union, uh, reaching a whole state for a period, transcendent, transcendental experience. And that changed my life. And I've continued to have experiences uh, of different um, intensity like that. You know, it's, it's immense. You know, my life is different now for having that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just beautiful. And to have you in practice and able to, you know, one, walk the talk and also be able to tell people about this and help them through these lifestyle methods. I think it's just magical. You know, it's just beautiful. So you, thank you for doing all this work, David. I really, you know, from so many other people I've spoken to who have made contact with you or run into you in some way and have come to see you, you know, it's, it's, they always say so many amazing things that you're just really moving the needle. You're you're making the change. And I don't just say that. I really do mean it. So thank you. Mm, that's really kind. Look, it's my passion, the same as you, right? Like I, I love it. And I love that I get to learn and the opportunity to, to grow and expand and to be able to speak with yourself or do these kind of things. It's amazing. It, it lights me up. There's a, there's a narcissism in what I do. There's a part of me, you know, satisfying my own desires, but there's a, met with an equal force of altruism, which is I've suffered to various degrees in my life and I've found things that have helped me extricate myself from suffering meditation breathing nutrition excess the things we're talking about so I don't give them as lip service you know I'm not here to sell people false promises I'm here to describe what my life has demonstrated and to see whether those things can help other people mm -hmm. um, so that's what it's about same same as you like I, I'm guessing you want to you want people to have a better life to suffer less Absolutely. That's really the crux of it. So, you know, I really appreciate you coming on today. It, incredible conversation. Where where can people find you? Is there anything that you want to, you know, so you know, websites or you know, whatever, if they're wanting to reach out, particularly if they, obviously if they're in Australia, to come and get some guidance <laughs> from cannabis? Sure. As well. um, the one thing I would just do is um, do a quick stroke for my online mastermind program, which I call Mind Body Mastery. If anybody wants to, you know, learn some of these fundamentals that we're talking about, I teach an online mastermind program, which is 10 weeks, which goes through this kind of stuff. Um, it's a lot of hand-holding, but it's getting transforming people's mind and getting them to uh, start to modify their behaviours and reverse and prevent chronic disease. So that's really uh, one of my babies at the moment. Um, you know, from cannabis point of view, uh, you know, I can share my email and people can reach out to me if they want to, or they can find me through the clinic. We can provide the details. Um, the other thing I was just going to say before we touched on, you talked about the mind as matter and as energy. And the thing that popped into my mind was a great book that I've read recently, which is by a woman called Anita Mutjani. 
the last name is M-O-O-R-T-J-A-N-I. It's the story of a woman who has a near-death experience. I'm not sure if you know the book, Jody. And um, the book is called Dying to Be Me. Um, I won't spoil it, but it's a great book about the transformation that can occur um, from someone who was critically ill to have a near-death experience to, in a moment, have a body riddled with disease, with cancer, within an instant disappear and come back from a near-death experience uh, to be fully healthy as proved on investigations and scans, medical miracles, spontaneous remission type style. So, you know, if anybody's interested in learning about the healing potential that can occur through our minds, that would be a good starting place, I think. And a lot of people need hope like that. You know, you, you, you hear these sorts of things, but you don't really know if they are true. And to read these stories and to understand these lives of the people who have actually gone through this and achieved it and by medical realms, it mm. is incredible to give people hope that this is a possibility, that it's not just a dreamland or just magic in the air. Yeah. Right. The other one would be um, Dr. Joe Dispenza, and you can find him by Googling him, but you can look on his website and see countless testimonials of people speaking into a camera face-to-face, honest, uh, you know, with their integrity, talking about how they've transformed their life through meditation, through transcendental experiences to cure incurable diseases and to, to change the quality of their life. So I think that's a great uh, inspiration for anybody that has a fallen out of the idea that they can heal and really needs some kind of inspiration absolutely and we'll list those underneath and we'll also list all the the websites um and contact points for you david so thank you so much i really appreciate your time today amazing uh pleasure to be here and thank you for doing the work that you do and for having me on it's amazing to be able to just share a little bit of my experience absolutely my pleasure thanks david thanks Jody. bye Thanks for listening to the Revital Health Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Revital Health, as well as our website, revitalhealth.com.au, for upcoming podcasts, workshops, and speaking events. Find out about specials happening in the clinic and all the show notes and links mentioned in the podcast. Please remember that this information discussed here is general information and is not intended to diagnose or treat individuals. Please speak to your healthcare professional before embarking on any new treatments, lifestyle changes, medicines or supplementation to assess your suitability. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you again soon.